Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Did you know that I'm back doing another live show? Yes, I know. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's called The Stalker. And I share investigations where I learned probably a little too much about that murky world. The show is on Saturday, the 25th of February at the State Library of Victoria. Tickets are through Eventbrite. Hello, and I trust 2023 will be a good year for us all. In my 27 years as a Victorian policewoman, I investigated everything from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. Policing taught me a lot about human nature, which I explore in my podcasts with a variety of fascinating guests discussing the human side and impact of crime, not only on their lives, but mine as well. My podcasts are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. If you find yourself affected by my subject matter, please contact Lifeline or any other support, service or person that you feel comfortable with. Thank you. As far as I'm concerned, you go and do what works for you, whatever therapy that is, but just know that there are other alternatives that actually help you to look at things and process things in a completely different way without having to go into detail that have very fast and effective results. But because it's not the way it's always been done, that's the way people always tend to do it. Hello, everyone, and hope you've had a good week. This week, it's all very exciting in the Narelle Fraser household because I am recording from my new abode. We are now in a rental property. Uh, We have room to move. Uh, Oh, it's just lovely. Anyway, enough about me. So let's get on with uh, week two of Jeff Garland. So this week, we hear more about Jeff's recovery from PTS. And you know how he was referring to, he doesn't want to call it PTSI or PTSD because they both almost define you as an injury or uh, as a disorder, which I thought was a really interesting explanation. But Jeff talks a lot about wanting to help others recover and how he now teaches NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, amongst, uh, I think he does hypnotherapy and a couple of other things, but he specialises in these and it's his testament, as I said last week, his testament to the fact that you can recover from trauma. Uh, Jeff will explain it all this week, but I've just got to reiterate that if you are troubled and you're not improving, consider going outside the norm because you just don't know what will work for you. Different things work for different people. So have a listen to Jeff and don't forget about his book called Split Second. 
Anyway, again, have a great week. We'll talk next week. See ya. Now, I wanted to talk about uh, that 10 years, after that 10 years that you were um, you went back to policing and, and you said um, that was the end. Your PTS uh, returned, I believe, and did... Did that return with a thud or was it just like a slow burn which came to a head with a certain situation or incident or how did that happen? Well, for me, it was not so much the incidents that I've been involved in before. It was all the new stuff I got involved in, like the fact that you know, I wrestled with a guy on the cliff face who tried to kill me. I, I, I tried to save someone's life in the entrance channel who tried to drown me. Had a bloke jump out the boot, try and stab me. Like all these incidents that were fresh. I, I was okay with the stuff before. Like I've been to Redfern since. I've been can go near a trial land careers. I, I can do all those sort of stuff from my early career because I've been able to process them so that had no effect, but it's just all the early stuff. And the thing was I didn't do the things I did before that allowed me to release the traumas, so I, I held on to it. So, I mean, post-traumatic stress isn't diagnosed until 30 days after the initial incident. So there's a 30-day window from when it becomes acute stress to post-traumatic stress. And for me, I didn't use the same tools like the NLP in order to process those events that I was involved in um, the way I did before. So I just let it compound. Like I thought, oh, I've got this, I'm okay. But then it was the crack started the show and everything else. So that in terms of the new ones, that's what happened. And then I, got, I went to prosecuting. I hurt my back. Uh, and then I was discharged and then I lost my identity. So I became suicidal. But then it's like, you know, hang on a second, Jeff. You were able to process all those events from before, serve another 10 years. What the hell are you doing now? I'm not, I'm not my job. This is not my identity. I've, I, I can actually use my experience to help other people. So what I did is I used the same techniques techniques of NLP um, by interrupting my patterns of thoughts, changing my associations and stuff like that. That allowed me to process all the events. So I can now visit my locations and talk about my events in detail that, and don't get affected. So it was just the disconnect. I've got this, but then I got involved in more stuff and didn't use the same techniques. But once I did, I was able to to do um, to process those events too, so that, that I'm okay. Mm. And and we'll get into those um, techniques and the NLP because that's something that not a lot of people are aware of, neuro-linguistic programming, I think it's called. But you, you've said before that regardless of the past, this is a, a, a quote that I read that I liked, you said, regardless of the past, your diagnosis or trauma doesn't define who you are. You may be struggling because of it, but that's just how you are at the moment, not who you are. I, as I said, I love that analogy. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, a lot of people think that because of what they've gone through, that's who they are. They tend to become the label, tend to become what's wrong with them. They think that because of their experience, they think that they're broken, they think that they're crazy and that sort of stuff. But post-traumatic stress is actually just a normal response to what you've been involved in. I mean, Ultimately, post-traumatic stress is just unresolved negative emotional events from the past. It's just your body's way of saying, you know, hey, you've been involved in a lot of trauma in your life um, and these are the signs and symptoms of it. So just you just need to go and do something about it. So um, people tend to attach what they're diagnosed with with who they are as a person. So mm-hmm. it may be what you have, but it's not who you are. You may be acting in a certain way. You may be withdrawing and being hypervigilant and reacting, you know, being triggered by something, but that's just not who you are it's how you are because mm. of the stuff in the past you release the stuff in the past then you you will change how you are but you're still the same person it's just it's you, just what ref- you've been diagnosed with yep yeah and as i said i love that analogy but you refer to 
I've always referred to it as PTSD until recently, and I've changed it to PTSI from a disorder to an injury. But I notice that you use PTS. You don't use the D or the I. Can you uh, explain that for us and why? Yeah, for me, I think it's really important to use the right language in terms of when when labelling something, um, especially around like things like post-traumatic stress because because of the lack of education and awareness around post-traumatic stress, what it is, what it isn't, the signs and symptoms and stuff, we tend to create our own association. So if we label something a disorder, to our minds, that meaning is that like we're stuck with it and we tend to get told that, no, you have to learn to live with it. It's a life sentence. You know, you, you can't change it. But because of we don't know what to do, like we may see someone at work one day and then they're not, then the next, then their marriage broken down, they're addicted to alcohol, they may attempt to take their own life or then then or they, or they do so. And to us, that becomes what PTSD is, that disorder. So I know it's a little thing just with the language, but by labelling a disorder, it's, you, it's your mind or you telling your mind that this disorder means permanent. But it's yes. not a disorder. It's not a definition. It's just a diagnosis. It's something that has happened to you because of what you've been involved in. At the end of the day, we're all just humans doing sometimes inhuman job, as what Queensland just proved. It's important to know that you are not your diagnosis. You are not your is not a disorder. You're not your relationship or anything else. Okay, you are who you choose to be. So by simply labelling it post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic stress injury or even a response, okay, you're able to look at it in a completely different way because you're not labelling in a, in a way that um, means permanent that you're stuck with it, that sort of association. So the, the words you use to describe the experience become the experience. So if you label something a disorder, your mind goes disorder means permanent, I'm stuck with it, but you label it something different, like injury, that's mm-hmm. temporary, it's something mm-hmm. that can be fixed. You're yes. able, yeah. it, it just makes a difficult situation even more difficult if you're labelling it something yeah. that's really, really hard. Yeah, and you're right because the word disorder in my mind is permanent. You're right. Injury to me, I've never really thought of it like that, but you're right. An injury is just something that you have to deal with at the time, but you'll you'll get over it. Whereas disorder to me, you're right. It's a it's lifetime. You know, I interviewed a woman last week who practices some alternative methods of emotional healing. And the reason I'm saying this is because you're talking about uh, let's say NLP, which we'll get into in a minute, but just the fact that it was alternative to mainstream treatments, right? And she talked about um, emotional healing like EFT, emotional freedom techniques. She talked about tapping, tapping yeah. about this rebirthing breath work, circle facilitation, embodied processing, like all these words. And I'm assuming like her, and many others who don't follow the more traditional methods of healing, that you've had your fair share of knockers. What do you say to them? Uh, there's certainly a lot of people who have their own opinions um, about what's possible. Like people tend to believe that the only way to relieve trauma is to relive it. So talk therapy, exposure therapy, that sort of stuff. It's what's been done for a long time. And especially those who've done it years ago are now in 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 positions of management and stuff like that and they believe that's the only thing that works even though it's not successful majority of the time so people tend to think that that's all and i know the insurance companies tend to only approve those former modalities like they'll approve art therapy but they won't approve other types of um Mm. holistic Mm. treatments that actually Mm. work a lot better like the talk therapy exposure therapy they're all deal with conscious having to re relive the events in order to reprocess them like i'm not bagging them out like 
Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you go and do what works for you, it, whatever therapy that is, but just know that there are other alternatives like that um, person, the person you spoke to last week and what I do that actually help you to look at things and process things in a completely different way without having to go into detail that have very fast and effective results. But because it's not the way it's always been done, that's the way people always tend to do it. It's not something the insurance company approves and people tend to think. I mean, I mean with the work that I do, like, I am very passionate about what I do. I don't have to do it. I've got my law degree. I've gotten through post-traumatic stress. I can simply go, look, no, I've, done, I've served my time. I did my. I can just move on and just enjoy the life I want and go and be a lawyer, a job that I love, that I'm very good at. But I've chosen to use my experiences, my qualifications and my results to help people. And I get I get criticized. I get bagged out. How dare you mention the word recovery? How dare you use the word PTS3? How dare you give people hope? How dare you take advantage of people who are injured because of their job? And all I'm trying to do is just get people to look things in a new perspective to understand that. It's an alternative, isn't it, it, it is. really? It's because yeah. the best lived experience is the best form of qualification you can have because I'm not just someone who's just read a book and go, you should be feeling this way or you feel this way because of this. You're right. I've, gone through, I've been doing this for over 20 years and I've got the results. So I'm an expert in terms of how trauma affects the brain, in terms of what post-traumatic stress is, in terms of what you can actually do in order to release them without having to be re-traumatised by it. But because it's different and the fact that I'm not, uh, psychologist or psychiatrist, then people um, tend to go, no, you just, you just a fraud. You're not doing that sort of stuff. It, it doesn't work, and I mean that's certainly not the case. There's certainly like um, modalities out there. I mean, I used NLP, timeline therapy, and hypnotherapy. Three very unconscious um, patterns that actually work. The timeline therapy was actually introduced in England to help the soldiers come back from war. So it's modality recognised in a different country to help soldiers. But even the DVA doesn't approve it. Uh, over here when there's so many people afflicted by the stuff from the war there's organizations that are using it uh, overseas that aren't isn't being recognized here and you haven't got to keep using the same modalities that you've been using for a long time just because you've been doing it there's other modalities out there mine and other people's that actually make a difference that actually work that actually a lot less traumatizing and a lot more effective than what we used to do but because it's different no one wants to do it can you tell us, explain to us about timeline therapy and NLP, particularly the NLP? Uh, I mean, I tried something very different. Uh, well, to me, to me, it was different. It wasn't. Um, uh, it was quite alternative at the time. Was EMDR, eye movement desensitisation reprogramming, but. I have been contacted by an ex-colleague who is right into the NLP and I really liked the sound of it. Uh, very different uh, to, you know, to normal uh, methods. But can you tell the listeners, explain to the listeners about timeline therapy and the NLP? Yep. So I love Neuralink NLP. I've been doing it for uh, over 20 years now. I've been doing it years before I was actually diagnosed um, so NLP, neuro means brain, linguistic uh, is language and programming is how we process stuff. So it's all about how we process our past events and the language we use to interpret them um, and about interrupting our patterns of thoughts and changing our neuro associations of what's happened. So it's never about the actual event. It's always about the meaning and emotion we attach to it. So the event's just a symbol in terms of okay. what's happened to us. So, I mean, but it's, it's the emotion and the meaning that has the greatest effect. So um I mean, all, I had a lot of trauma in my past, but because um, I've been able to process my events, the, the events are all still there. They still happen, but because I've been able to change the meaning and interrupt my patterns of thoughts and, and learn from the emotions, then they don't affect me. So it's all about 
know, the meaning we attach to it. That's what has the significance. It's not the event. It's the emotion we attach to it. It's the meaning we attach to it that has that significant impact. So NLP just helps you to reframe it and look at it in a new perspective. So let, let's say, Jeff, that I come to you, which I did go to my psychologist, and I talk about a really stressful incident, let's say, and it's true, like a, a lady that was on fire. So and, and what we did was we talked about it. So I went, you know, back in my mind and I told her all about it and I found that really um, therapeutic. But you're, uh, am I right in saying that NLP doesn't go so much into uh, talking about the girl on fire and all, it's more about the emotions, how I felt when I saw her, what I smelt. Is that the sort of thing you mean? You go into the emotions and feelings more than the actual incident? NLP mainly has to do with more the meaning, like timeline therapy is all about the emotions, but in terms of the, it's about the meaning of the event, what meaning did you take from that event in terms of it? Because you're focusing on just what happened as opposed to whatever else is going on around that certain location. So it's about changing the meaning of that event. I was in danger, almost died, Uh, whatever it is. It's like, you know, this happened and you can look at it from this perspective as opposed to this perspective. Like that's why it's so important to use the right language to describe an experience. As I said before, the language you use to describe the experience becomes experience. So if someone says to you, like, I was ambushed, it's like, what, do they jump out of a tree and try to attack you? Uh, Or my heart's broken. Like, is it it like in a million pieces? So I'm just really hurt by the past. So, if we use significant and a significant language in terms to define how we're feeling, what we're doing is we're intensifying those feelings when they may not actually be that bad. Like I've, I've tried everything. So you've actually tried everything, have you? Well, okay, maybe I haven't tried everything. I've tried a lot. Okay, so what have you tried? So it's about reframing the context and the meaning of what they've attached to that experience to get them to look at it in a different perspective, context, uh, and, and contrast in terms of you know, where they are and what's happened. So it's about that language um, reframing to change the perspective and the meaning of, of, of what happened. Right. It, it it's, is very, very... It's, very, it's very, very powerful in, in order to do it because I can have a conversation with someone and be able to reframe them in terms of the language they use them to simply get them to look at things in a new perspective based on the language that I use to help them to look at things differently and describe things differently as opposed to just everything being negative all the time and trying to um, work stuff out when you can just reframe your language, look at things in a new perspective, interrupt those old patterns of thoughts that aren't serving you. So you're talking about you change, you talk a language. Can you change the client's language? By getting them to, to reframing them in terms of being able to uh, identify what they're going through and then get them to um, use the right language in terms of how what's happening to them instead of using the negative language like I was ambushed, I was, I'm, I've been heartbroken stuff. Oh, yeah. Get yep. them to yep. actually go, look, no, I wasn't ambushed. They just uh, confronted me with something that I wasn't happy with, okay? My heart didn't get broken. Okay, I was just hurt by what happened. So it reduces the intensity of what happens. And you know, it's like even like, oh, yeah. like yep. when in terms of um, I'm, I'm loved with nobody wants me sort of thing, but like maybe you can reframe it. Maybe that relationship didn't work out because of the fact that it wasn't the right relationship. Okay. Maybe consider something like it's, there's, no, there's no rejection, there's redirection. Like it's important about getting people to look at things from a perspective of language instead of just just feeling, reacting with that emotion and just, just intensifying and make, making things um, a lot worse than what they actually are. So now I understand why you're so passionate, let's say, about 
just using the word post-traumatic stress mm. rather than disorder or injury. I, I now get what you mean about the language that you use and trying to change that language. I love it. Um, I'm going to challenge you a little bit here because, and I might be naive, but you've said before that you have been able to fully recover from your trauma. So I, I find it hard to understand how you can fully recover from trauma, whether it's regarding one situation or a build-up of, of, of many. But I believe in myself I'm the best I've ever been, in well, in a very long time, maybe from the jo- day I joined VicPol, I don't know, in 87. But some of the incidents that I've been exposed to, I don't believe that they will ever leave me, but I've certainly learned how to manage my thoughts about them. So are you saying that you don't ever think about some of those traumatic situations that you encountered? I, I, I certainly have think about them, but they have no effect. Like when I had... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Host to make stress. It was like I was triggered like... Post-traumatic stress means that you have a diagnosis in which you have symptoms of post-traumatic stress. So being able to process the emotions around those past events where those past events don't affect you allows you to no longer like be diagnosed with, with post-traumatic stress. Like if you've got the flu, you've got the flu symptoms, they're gone, you no longer have the flu. Post-traumatic stress, you have that diagnosis under the DSM because you have certain symptoms. Once those symptoms are no longer affecting you, then you, don't, you no longer have that diagnosis of post-traumatic stress. So what I do is to help people to remove the emotions around those past events. They don't affect them. So obviously those events are still going to be there. Like when I had the post-traumatic stress, like I couldn't go to certain locations. I couldn't identify myself as a policeman. I couldn't do certain things because of the emotions I attached to it. It had nothing to do with the actual event. It was about the emotions I attached to it. But once you remove the emotions around those events, the event's still there, but there's no emotional attachment. You're not looking from a place of fear or hurt or disappointment or shame. It's like, 
understanding, acceptance, forgiveness. So I couldn't go past certain locations. I was triggered like that incident when I was um, at um, the entrance channel trying to save that person's life. He's trying to drown me. Um, yeah. I couldn't. My I had flashbacks of, of seeing my daughter's faces as I was drowning. And for me, like I, that was the main emotion and fear that uh, I had attached to that event. And like I had to drive over that bridge every shift in order to get to work. Like I you tried to drown me. I had severe hypothermia. I should have just died from hypothermia, but I didn't. And I used to have to drive over the bridge in order to get to work, and I couldn't because to, to me that at that location was one of extreme fear and danger and stuff like that. That was the emotions and association I craved to that. I'd so I'd used to drive to the bridge and I'd sit there and cry, or I'd drive like like forty five minutes around the long way just to get to work because I couldn't go to it. But once I was able to reframe and um, interrupt my patterns of thoughts, because uh, I use NLP to um, process that event. So for me, because the flashbacks was of my kids draining, it was dark, it was nighttime, it was cold. That was the flashbacks I would have. So for me to interrupt my patterns of thought, what I did was I took my girls down there on a sunny day. It was bright. The water was shallow. I took a photograph of, of them in front of the bridge. And that was my yeah. screensaver. So for me, what happens is when I'd have a flashback, it would be to me drowning and then I'd look at my, my phone and it would be to that happy memory. So I was interrupting that pattern of yes. thought. So memories are like a CD or DVD, depends how old we are, and they play over and over and over again. So when you learn to interrupt your patterns of thoughts and change your association, what you're doing is you're scratching that CD so it can't play anymore. So for me, because I was able to do it successfully, it was no longer me drowning. It was the positive memory of my daughter sitting in front of the bridge smiling on a bright, happy, sunny day. So now I'm able to walk in the middle of the entrance channel. I've actually done Facebook Lives before of me walking in the entrance channel, not being affected by it at all. So because the fact that event's still there, but it doesn't affect me because I've removed the fear from it. So therefore, I don't have, don't have the flashbacks, don't have the hypervigilance. The symptoms aren't there. So the same about all my events. There's no symptoms in relation to or any emotions attached, negative emotions attached to any of those past events. So therefore, I don't have the symptoms. Therefore, I don't have the diagnosis. I'm still human. I still make mistakes. I still stuff up. But in terms of my stuff from my past, I, it doesn't affect me. There's no emotional attachment. I couldn't go past certain locations. I used to remember dates and locations and times and everything else. Now I've got no idea when anything in my past happened because there's no emotional significance to it. It's just something that happened in my past. It's part of my part of my my tapestry of life. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. I was wondering if I could read you some comments that um, I've pulled from Wikipedia because I was doing some research for today and I was looking up about NLP and I was wondering if I could read you these and then get your response. But just before I do, I'm all for trying different methods and I am certainly not trying to be controversial, but I do think I need to address some of what I've read during my research. So can, there's three small things. I'll read you one at a time for you to comment. So the first one is about um, neurolinguistic programming and it says it claims that there is a connection between neurological processes, neuro, language, being linguistic as you described before, and acquired behavioural problems, uh, patterns, programming and that these can be changed to achieve specific goals in life. And according to John Grinder and Richard Bandler, credited as the co-founders of NLP, they suggest that NLP can treat problems such as phobias, depression, uh, tick disorders, psychosomatic illnesses, uh, nearsightedness, allergy and the common cold, for instance. 
they say that it can be treated often in a single session. So if that's the case, Jeff, why isn't this treatment method used more widely? Because it's different to everyone else. Like everyone thinks everyone's been doing the talk therapy. Like you always go and talk to your mates. You talk to someone about your problems. But NLP isn't so much about talking about the problems and going into detail. It's about identifying how can we change the meaning, interrupt the patterns of thoughts and things like that. It can be used to treat uh, a lot of things out there. But again, it's up to the person whether they believe in it, whether they want to. But all the stuff like the anxiety and stuff like that, that's all based on our past emotions and meanings we attach to it. Again, it's about reframing them in terms of, like in, in terms of like when you've got post-traumatic stress, like the anxiety is there because you've got a, a, an association or triggered by a certain event in your past. So you, you may go out and then have the hypervigilance, you, your body's stuck in flight or fright, so you're looking for exits and sticking you back to the wall because that's that sense of fear and danger that you have. But once, especially with the modalities I use, once you remove the emotions from those events, you're able to go into um, go in those locations and not be triggered because your body's feeling safe. So it's about reframing into rather than I'm in danger um, to reframe into like I'm okay, I'm safe rather than having fear, it's acceptance, it's love, it's understanding, that sort of stuff. So it's about being able to change the meaning around those events. And it's, it certainly works. It's been, been done for a long time but because it's seen as different, a lot of people um, mm. don't use it as a mainstream modality. Um, they close their mind to it, don't yeah, they? Yeah. yeah. Even in, in, in terms of the other modalities, everyone thinks it's got to be psychology, psychiatry, but there's other things out there that actually work. So I say go and try and what works just because it's different doesn't make it difficult. And another part of that section I pulled from Wikipedia says that there's no scientific evidence supporting the claims made by NLP advocates. It says scientific reviews have shown that NLP is based on outdated metaphors Uh, for the brain's inner workings that are inconsistent with current neurological theory and they contain numerous factual errors. Reviews also found that research that favoured NLP contained significant methodological flaws and that there were three times as many studies of much higher quality that failed to produce the extraordinary claims made numerous made by numerous NLP practitioners do you have a uh, you know do you have a response to that everyone's entitled to their opinion like because yeah it, true yeah I mean people whether something works or doesn't work is up to the person if you go into something believing that it doesn't work then it's not going to work whether you think you can or you can't you're right famous quote by Henry Ford like Yep. people have a perspective that only certain things can work. People have a belief they can't be hypnotised. People have beliefs about certain things. And if that's your belief, it's not going to work. People get different results based on what they think is possible, based on their own level of awareness, based on their own experience in terms of what can happen. And being able to judge that is, diff- is different in terms of um, what people get out of it because of how people uh, tend to judge it. But it's, it's certainly a modality that works. And as I said before, look, it's something that you, you really need to try. Like NLP is a very popular um, form of people seeking out to go and do it because it has such a good name. But in terms of the organisations, in terms of the insurance companies and stuff like that, it's seen to be too outside the norm in order for people to go and do it because people are like, you know, we talk about our problems, we don't go and reframe them and think about them and you know, release emotions and that sort of stuff. That's just that's just too, too woo-woo. So people like to stick to what <laughs> they actually know, but that doesn't mean it actually works. So. Um, yeah, yeah, true. true. And, and so can you counter those um, 
uh, arguments, I suppose, I suppose, with some of your patients and responses to your treatment that you've had? Well, I've had a lot of, like, I use NLP in terms of being able to reframe people, like in terms of conversation with them. The main modality that I use is timeline therapy, but even just in terms of, like, I've had conversations with people around the world in terms of stuff they're going through in that moment. I've spoken to people who have been suicidal and been able to reframe them in terms of you know, what's going on in their life, their way of thinking, getting, getting them to look at things in a new perspective. Like I had one, one person I was speaking to he, um, in America, he actually had his gun in his mouth. Like he was at that stage that I was able to reframe him in terms of his life um, to be able to look at things in a new perspective and rather than just react with those emotions to the state that the fact now he's now um, got a job promotion and he's engaged to be married. Like I work with people who've got significant results being able to just by having a conversation, like even like before, like how I said, it's um, people tend when you're going through stuff, you're struggling. We, what we focus on is what we feel. So when we, even though we had a great career, have had some highlights in our career, we tend to focus on the bad stuff in our career. And I've even had a conversation with one lady who actually gone from being suicidal to actually being laughing about the job and, and actually looking back on her career in a very positive way. And that made a mass, such a significant difference to her. She said, Jeff, I haven't laughed in about 10 years. And we've had oh, a conversation for half an hour yeah. and you've been able yeah. to, to change the way I look at my career. I no longer feel angry or hurt by it. I now look at it from a perspective of, of the good stuff, like focusing on the bad stuff That's is what you're going to feel. So she's able to, to reframe it. So there's a lot of different stories out there um, in terms of by having that right conversation with someone, especially in, in that moment where they're suicidal, about being able to change their perspective, their associations and stuff as to what's going on to get them out of that hole, to start to look at things differently, to start to you know, take different steps in their life. But I said the main modality that I use, which I swear by, is, is um, my timeline therapy. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about your book, uh, Split Second? It, it sounds like a great read. What can people expect on reading the book? So for me, it, it was never meant to be a book. For me, it was just my way of having to write down what I've been involved in because I understood the importance of writing stuff down because we've got so many things going on in our head, it's hard to understand what's real, what's not real. So by writing stuff down, what you're doing is you're able to process that. You process it when you think about it. You process it when you write it down. You process it when you read it's it after you've written more. it down. Yeah, so it becomes very yeah. cathartic. And you're looking at things from a new perspective in terms of that. So I just started to write about my incident with the Ute and then – I think a few incidents before that, then I went back to my career before I joined and it just became uh, just a timeline of my, my policing experience. Like, it took me 13 years to write it. Like I started writing in 2001 after the incident with you and it was published in, in November 2014. So over my career, it, it just shows the ups and downs and I'm very open in terms of you know, what I experienced, how I was feeling, um, being suicidal, and my journey to recovery and, and everything else I went through in my, in my career. So um it just gives an insight into you know, what life is like behind the thin blue line in terms of you know, what you experience. Uh, a lot of people see just the policeman going past or you see policemen when you're in trouble or they've got bad news for you. This is actually an insight into what you can actually, what police experience on a regular basis through someone who's actually gone through it. So it, yeah, just, I just wrote it as I went along when I got involved in more stuff, when I returned to work, got involved in more stuff, then got discharged, then I become suicidal, then my journey to recovery to, to where I am now, so. So it's um, about uh, – I'm surprised that uh, you haven't written 10 books, to be honest, from what you've said uh, today. But so what it is is it's a, a history, let's say, of your policing career but also you uh, dealing with all that trauma and how you came out the other side to be where you are today, yeah? 
Yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's, t- it's an insight. It's a timeline of my of my experiences in the police and my battle and recovery from post traumatic stress. Okay, and, and there. Just lastly, there you you spoke before about the fact that you were suicidal. You know, years ago now. Um. If somebody, and there's obviously a lot of people out there that are struggling mentally, particularly with, let's say, COVID and everything that that's um, uh, brought about, but if somebody now is listening who doesn't feel quite right but doesn't know what's wrong, what would your advice be to them? For me, I know that COVID changed the way we looked at ourselves, like, for a lot of people, they'd focus on their work, they focus on their training, they try and avoid the problems by doing, they're focusing on everything else. But when COVID hit, what happened is we couldn't go and do that anymore. So everything from our past caught up with us. We couldn't go to work, we couldn't go and exercise, we couldn't go to the gym, we couldn't do the things that used to work. And that's why people struggled. So, uh, and then we, then we get locked away and then all this worry about what's going to happen and everything else. But um, for anyone who is struggling, just know that, okay, again, it's not who you are, it's just how you are we tend to get to that state where we're feeling very low. A lot of people, it's for, for me and a lot of people I've spoken to, it's not about the fact that we want to die. It's the fact that we just want to avoid the pain. We just want to just get control, alt, delete, start again. But when you're feeling that way, it's because you're choosing to focus on things that make you feel that way, not to simplify it, but people will make a negative decision in a negative state. So when in that state where they're suicidal, they're focusing on how bad things are in their life, how much of a struggle, how overwhelmed they are and things like that. So that's how they're looking at life, that's, and that's why they make that decision in that state. It doesn't mean they actually want to do it, but in that state, we all make that certain decision. We, we, regardless of what state we're in, we make a decision based on the state that we're in. So when you're in that state, you're feeling very negative. It doesn't mean that you want to die. It just simply means that you're focusing on things that make you feel that way, that you feel like you want to. But if you're able to look at things rather than go what you're going through, look at look, look at what you actually have, whether it's a family, the fact that you are alive, the fact that all the positive things are in your life, you can't be grateful and negative at the same thing. It's important to acknowledge how you're feeling. If you're feeling at that at that stage where you are suicidal or having those thoughts, it's important to acknowledge that, okay, that's how I'm feeling. I don't, don't want to feel that way, but that's how it is. Mm. And important to actually reach out and do something about it. Don't just lock it away because you lock it away, it's just going to intensify and get worse and worse. So it's important to acknowledge I am struggling. I actually accept this. I acknowledge that. I'm going to take some responsibility. I'm going to go and be open and honest with someone and get some help. Okay? Uh, being open and honest doesn't mean doesn't being, being vulnerable doesn't mean you're weak. Okay? It's not weak to speak. It's important to realize that it's a sign of strength and courage and self-love. If you actually go, and I'm going through a lot here, it's important that I actually reach out and get that help that I need because I deserve it. It's just what you're going through in that moment. It doesn't mean like I was suicidal. I didn't think that I'd be where I am now. I, I, I wanted to die because the world was just overwhelming. I lost my identity. I was struggling. I had a serious back injury that specialist said I'd, I'd never get over. I couldn't walk, couldn't work, couldn't be a man. I just I had nothing. So, But for me to be at this stage now where I'm recovered, I run my own business, I'm engaged to a very beautiful lady, um, and <laughs> things are so much positive. I didn't think it was possible. So in that moment, life was just overwhelming, and that was enough for me. But allowing yourself to focus on something different and looking ahead of where you are, allows you to look, there is certain life after trauma. That You feeling that way is your body's way of saying you are going through something that you need to process, that you need help with, and you haven't got to do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. There is help love, and there is hope. Love. Yeah. Uh, so, Jeff, if people do want to, uh, I don't know, talk to you or um, contact you, how do they contact you? Um, 
I'm on Facebook under Jeff Garland. Uh, also, um, my website is on there. They can send me an email. The details are all on there. Uh, and they can make contact me. My, my number is 0466 268 913. I'm happy to have a conversation with anyone. Um, and just know, like, in terms of what I do, like, I don't do talk therapy. I don't do exposure therapy. So if you want to have a conversation, okay, it's judgment-free. You haven't got to discuss any of the details of the events in order to have that conversation with me, okay? It could be a conversation that changes your life or saves your life. Like in, 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 like in terms of the modality of timeline therapy, that's why I love doing it because there's no talk therapy, there's no exposure therapy. It's just about identifying that what are the events in the past are affecting you, listing those events, what's the event, what's the emotion, what's the belief, and then removing the trauma emotion by emotion. So I, mean, I can help people release anger and sadness from the past in less than an hour. It has such a significant effect on people. So just know you haven't got to talk about stuff. You haven't got to relive the event to release it. Mm. I'm happy to have that conversation. Mm. It could be, the, could it be the comp- that conversation that makes a difference. So definitely reach out. And really, Jeff, what, are they, what have people got to lose? They've got everything to gain and nothing to lose. So, Jeff, just, you know, thanks, uh, firstly, for your service to the community and secondly, for your continuing help with people who are suffering trauma and because you're giving them an option other than the traditional methods, which it could not, it may not be working for them. I suppose your message is uh, that there's always something out there which might just work for you, you know, a, a, an like, alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you keep doing the same things or keep believing the same things, you're going to keep getting the same results. Just know that there are things that you can do in, in order to, to, to release the things from the past. So you've got to just choose you, reach out for that conversation and make yourself that priority. And just, you you can't just keep locking yourself away. You deserve to live the life, not just exist. So do what you have to do. Oh, I love it, Jeff. And if I could just um, close with saying that if anybody sees a police person, just go up to them and say thank you. I don't know, maybe give them a bit of love. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, as I said, like, they're the ones who criticise the most, but unfortunately it's times like what's happened that do it. Um, they're the ones that protect you. They made the decision to do that. So acknowledge them um, and uh, yeah. praise them and thank them for what they do because the world would be a completely different place if we didn't have them. Yeah, that's true. All right, thanks for your time, Jeff. Thanks, Narelle. Appreciate it. As you've probably noticed, we've moved to a new platform called ACAST. I think that's the right expression, I've got no idea. And my previous reviews haven't transferred over. I need reviews. <laughs> Could you do me a favour and put up a review? And thank you so much for your support and patronage. With your help, I can give you that little bit extra. Thanks. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.